sermons from Warren Community Church. If you'd like to learn more about us, visit warrencommunitychurch.org. Amen. Let's pray together, church. Lord, that is our prayer today, that you be high and lifted up with our praise. You tell us in your word that if you are lifted up, you will draw all men unto you. And we want to see Lord, men, women, boys and girls, everyone drawn to the cross and to you, to all that you have done for us and what you are doing in us and what you want to accomplish through us. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. We ask you, Lord, to take this service as we open your word today. May you speak to us through your word and uh, instruct us, rebuke us if necessary. Lord, correct us if necessary. But show us, Lord, um, your direction for us. We seek you today. We praise you today. We ask you, Lord, we know that we are needy people. Our country is a needy country. We, our country needs you. And, uh, Lord, uh, so today we pray that um, as we seek to follow you, that we would be a voice crying out in the wilderness that Jesus saves, and he's the only one who can. So, Lord, we commit all this to you, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. Welcome to church, church. Matthew chapter 24 today. Last week, Pastor Matthew told us to consider Jesus. Have you considered him? All right. Let me try that again. Have you considered Jesus? Okay. I think you uh, will find out that he is worth considering. He's worth following. He's, for, he's worth committing to. He talked about the person of Christ, the work of Christ, and the promise of Christ. And today we're going to look at some of his promises that he's made to us in Matthew chapter 24. Now let me just rehearse with you for a minute that Matthew 24 is telling us here in the first 14 verses is laying out for us what our world is going to be like and what the world, the setting it's going to be uh, before Jesus comes and takes his church out. And so today, we want to look in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 7, and this is what it says. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Can we say Amen. It's happening all around us. Have you watched the news lately? With those wars and rumors of wars that we talked about a couple weeks ago, and here we see nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, there's always those things that follow uh, the issues of war. And that is, notice what else it says in verse 7. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. I want us to look today at thinking about this idea in a world of dangers that we need to be comforted. The Bible tells us, if, you'll, if you will look uh, back in, in verse 6, it says, but the end is not yet. This is not the end. 
In fact, the, the great tribulation will not begin, I don't believe, until the church is taken out. And once the church is taken out, and I don't believe that's happened yet, I'm, I'm praying it hasn't happened yet. I, you know, I, I woke up this morning thinking, Lord, could today be the day that you come for your church? It could be. It could be tomorrow. It could be 10 years from now or 100 years from now. I don't know the date. Oh, I don't know the time or the hour, but I have a feeling in my heart that it's got to be close. It's got to be close with all that's going on and the setting that we see here in Matthew 24 where Jesus is sitting with four of his disciples and he is explaining to them what the world is going to be like and what the, what the time of, of judgment is going to be like. And he's saying this is the condition that the world will be in when I'm coming back. So let's look first of all, beginning there in verse, verse 7, at the global dangers. The global dangers that we have are unavoidable. Matthew 24, 7 tells us they're going to happen, and it's unavoidable. If God says it, that settles it. doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. And here we see there's, you know, there's nothing that anyone can do to stop these what we call natural disasters from occurring. They are unavoidable. Notice verse 7 tells us that there will be famines. Famines. What are some examples of famines that we've seen? You know, famines are not something that's new. If you look in the book of, of Genesis, you see the famine that sent the Israelites to Egypt. Then we see the famine that drove Naomi and her family to Moab uh, uh, in, in the book of Ruth. And we see all of the issues there. We also see plagues in Scripture. And notice what verse 7, and there will be pestilences. And that word pestilence is the Greek word loimos, and it simply describes maladies of seasonal sickness. Some, some examples in Scripture that you see are found in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 24, where it says this, They shall be wasted with hunger, devoured by pestilence, and bitter destruction. I will also send against them the teeth of beasts with the poison of serpents of the dust. Deuteronomy 32 is describing when Moses just uh, tells about the curses that would befall the nation of Israel if they rejected God. And I still believe that today, if you reject God, there will be cursing. If you receive God, there will be blessing. And then in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 9, the Bible tells us again of these disasters and pestilences and sicknesses and so on. It says, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before his temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. That ought to be an encouragement to us today. If God did it for the Jews, he'll do it for us. That when we see all of this destruction and all the wars and rumors of wars and we see all of the pestilences and kingdom against kingdom and nation against nation, we, we should literally have a, a joy in our heart knowing that we can stand before the presence of the Lord and he will provide. He will direct us. 
and he will see us through all of these times. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 9 was a difficult time in the nation of Israel. King Jehoshaphat of Judah was threatened by his enemies, and he declares his faith in God. That's what this uh, uh, chapter, uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 20 was all about. Jehoshaphat was in a big mess. He was about to be attacked. And he said, Lord, I know that you are with us. And today, in our world and all the things that we see going on around us, we have the assurance when Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus said, my peace I give unto you. Not like the uh, peace of the world, but my peace I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Jesus said, I will be with you for a short time. No. I'll be with you, say it, always. Last time I checked, always meant always. There is not a time or a place or an event or a problem or a difficulty or a whatever may come in our lives. There's not a time that Jesus Christ will ever leave us or forsake us. He tells us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, um, it, it's an amazing uh, passage. You know, in our English language, we're only allowed to use one negative, right? We can't, we, we do say this, but we're not supposed to grammatically. We say, I ain't got none. Now, us country folks, we know what that means, but that's terrible grammar. We're only allowed to have one negative, but in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, there are five negatives in that verse. And he says, I will absolutely not never, no, not never, ever leave you. And every time that negative is used, it's an emphasis on the fact that it is an impossible impossibility for Christ to ever leave us. He says he is with us always. In the 20th century, uh, what are some of the pestilences and plagues and famines and things that we saw? Well, the swine flu and World War I, 1918 killed more than, listen to this, 40 million people. In fact, that was one of the deciding factors that helped the World War I to come to a close. It was a trench war. And what I mean by trench war is that you'd have an army over here and an army over here, and they've dug all these trenches, and they're in there shooting. They'd stick their head up and shoot at each other. And they were in close quarters and no sanitary conditions and all of that. And the, and the flu hit and it literally were, was wiping out armies. 40 million people. Then we saw the Asian flu in the 1950s and 1960s. Along with the, what was called the Hong Kong flu. Now that's not politically correct and they wouldn't be able to name it that today. But that's what it was called then. In 1968, it, 
Each one of those killed over a million people each. And then you had the HIV-AIDS epidemic that killed over 35 million people in the 20th century. The 21st century, in which we're in today, we've had things like the swine flu, uh, SARS, MERS, Ebola, and the COVID-19. The COVID-19 killed 6.34 million people worldwide. And we, it was a disaster. And some of our friends and loved ones died from the effects of that. But think about the Spanish flu and 40 million people dying. More than six times, almost seven times more than what the COVID. You see pestilences and famines and, and all of these plagues and things are not new. During those difficult times, people who knew the Lord would turn to him and God would see us through. And we can do the same thing. But not, not only do we see that there's going to be... Uh, famines and plagues but look thirdly at the earthquakes verse 7 says and earthquakes in various places now i want to just point out a couple of things here from scripture about some earthquakes that are going to take place now we've had major earthquakes in fact right now somewhere around the world there's an earthquake going on there's earthquakes all over it's probably not a day that goes by that there are not earthquakes the ones that we hear about are the ones that, of course, are get up into the Richter scale of somewhere around six or seven. It starts destroying all these uh, homes and, and buildings and families, and, and things are absolutely falling apart. People are dying. But notice what Revelation chapter 16, verse 18 says. This is, at the, this is the final bold judgment of wrath on this world before God brings it to uh, a close it talks about that there will be a great earthquake that it will be such a mighty and great earthquake as has not ever occurred since men were on this earth notice what revelation 16 18 says and there were noises and thunderings and lightnings and there was a great earthquake such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth now think about that for a minute. There's coming a day when God is going to wrap it all up and the earthquake is going to be so bad that there's never been one even that could hold a candle for it, never been one that was anywhere near what the one God is going to bring in sin. And listen, you've got all of these uh, uh, nuts out there, these climate nuts out there there today talking about how that the, all these earthquakes and, and all the, 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 the famine and the pestilences and all the stuff that's going on, we've only got 10 or 12 years, they say, to, to, to last. Listen, God has been sending earthquakes forever, and listen, he is not going to destroy this world uh, as we know it uh, but with an earthquake, but he is going to come one day, and when he comes and brings his judgment upon this earth, there will be an earthquake so great that, Nothing will be able to compare to it. Absolutely nothing. In fact, you could probably put most of them all together and it wouldn't be anything compared to the one that's coming. 
I read here yesterday, was watching some news yesterday, and um, uh, Miss Greta Thorn Thornburg, Thornburg, you know who she is? She's the climate activist. Uh, I believe she's from Sweden, I think is where her nationality is. But she spends her whole life going around condemning our nations and countries, and especially the United States, condemning because um, we won't bow to her ideas of, of all of the things that are going on. Listen, climate change has been happening since day one. And let me tell you something, believers. Global warming is not going to kill us. It is God's warning you better be listening to instead of global warming. I get really anxious when I hear all of these folks talking about this on TV and I'm thinking, you're ignoring. You know, it, in, in First Peter, it talks about those that, uh, that refuse to believe the flood. It says that they were willingly ignorant of the flood. Now, you, you know what that says to me? That they're stupid on purpose. <laughs> they're willingly ignorant. And as I hear all these folks on TV and, and all these gurus, you know, all these climate change gurus, I'm just sitting there thinking, they're stupid on purpose. They are refusing to understand that God is the one that's in control and it, this world will not, will, last, will not last more than one second that God wants it to and it's not going to uh, come to an end because of all of these climate issues. What they ought to be proclaiming is the gospel, getting people ready. But they've rejected it, and they are, have willingly rejected the idea of God's creation and how he's made it. And then the earthquakes. Isaiah 2 and verse 19 says, They shall go into the holes of the rocks and into the caves of the earth from the terror of the Lord and the glory of his majesty, and he arises to shake the earth mightily. Listen, I, I, I wish I would be around, but I won't be around when that happens. I'd like to see Gloria Thunberg stuffed in a cave somewhere, shaking in her pajamas that she wears around all the time, and, and thinking and saying, I should have believed God. Exodus 19 says, Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke. Now this is an example when Moses received the Ten Commandments. Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked greatly. Moses receiving the Ten Commandments. See, earthquakes have been around a long time. Matthew 27 and verse 51, when Jesus paid the penalty for your sin and my sin, and there in the middle of the day at 12 high noon, the world turned dark, and there was an earthquake. 
Notice what it says. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split. All of these, the Bible tells us, all of them will increase in power and frequency, and they will move toward the end of history as we know it. Now, we need to understand that these things that all of these activists out there are saying are increasing, you know what? They're right. They are increasing. But they're increasing not because of global warming. They're increasing because God has established in his word that they would increase and it would be preparing the time for his coming. And then we see God's decrees are unconditional. Not only do we know that his global dangers are unavoidable, but his decrees are unconditional. Notice in Acts chapter 2 and verse 25, For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. God tells us, that the end is not yet. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Hebrews 6, 19, this hope we have as, as an anchor of the soul, uh, both sure and steadfast, and which others, and which enters the presence behind the veil. If we are not careful as believers, all this knowledge about global disasters uh, that are coming on the near horizon and that we are seeing every day can make us shake with fear. But I want to tell you something, folks. The Bible tells us God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Don't let the AOCs of this world cause you to fear or the Rashida Talibs. If we're not careful, I see this in, in, in Christians' lives everywhere that I go. People are so afraid of living a normal life. They would rather give up their freedoms than to live a life. Example. The COVID-19 issues. I remember the fear that came upon our staff and us as a church. I remember the four Sundays where there was not a soul sitting out there in those seats. When we preached to empty chairs. People were so afraid. Folks, I want you to know it... it it's one thing to be fearful. It's another one to have calmness in our hearts. Now, we should be cautious always. You know, the person that is not cautious is just being foolish. We should be cautious, but fear should not drive us. Fear should not be the determining factor upon which we make decisions as to where we will go and how we will live and what we will do.
You couldn't travel because of the fear. And that fear is still out there. But the way to combat the fear of these coming events is what I believe is, is, a, is the supernatural discipleship, and that is the work of the Holy Spirit who gives us encouragement, confidence, and hope to face the future. Notice what Hebrews 12, 28 says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, you are in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God cannot and will not be shaken. Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Then Psalm 46, 2 says, Therefore, we will not what? Fear. Even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. We know that God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth according to his word. Now, how he's going to do that, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to refurbish, if he's going to come in and do a, you know, a, a, a DIY thing on this earth. You know, you know, you watch all these things on TV where they come in on the weekend and completely remodel a house. And some folks actually believe they do that. But God's decrees are unconditional. He has decreed for us to have peace in our hearts. Why? Because we can have confidence in God's protection. God tells us he is our shield. Notice what he says, Genesis 15, 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. God tells us he's our fortress. Psalm 18 and verse 2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. That's who the Lord is. He's also our keeper. You wonder how you're going to get through something and how you're going to make it through, how you're going to come through all of this. The Lord is our keeper. Psalm 121, 5 says, The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at the right hand. He's our refuge. Psalm 46, 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in what? Trouble. He is our rock. Psalm 18, 31, for who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? He's our shade. Everybody likes shade, right? I mean, he's our shade. Psalm 121 says, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. He's our shelter. Psalm 63, 1. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. He's our stronghold. Nahum, chapter 1 and verse 7. The Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. 
and he knows those who trust in him. No matter what may be going on in our world, and yes, it's prudent to be cautious about all these things, but fear should not be what drives us. Faith in a loving God who promises to keep us, to shade us, to shelter us, to be our foundation, our rock, our stronghold, so we can have confidence as well in God's pardon. In Joel chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, notice what it says here. Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart. How should we turn? With fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. That, I think, is a, is a, is a solid biblical approach to where we as believers should be looking at our world today and all that's going on. With fasting, weeping, and mourning. And then this is what he says for us to do. Notice what he says. The first thing he says, rend your heart and not your garments. Now, it was a cultural thing for the uh, Jews at the time that if they were really upset over something, they would take their clothes and they would tear it. It showed their absolute uh, disgust about what was going on, their absolute uh, fear of what was going on, and their anger. But he said, but he says, don't tear your clothes. What does he say? Rend your heart. Let your heart be concerned over the things that are going on because this world, the time of this world is short. And your loved ones, your brothers, your sisters, your moms, your dads, your, your children, and many, many others of your family and those that your neighbors, your, your people you work with, all of those, they're going to die and they're going to go to hell without Christ. We, our hearts should be broken over that. William Pierce, the founder of World Vision, in 1952, when he looked at the, at the orphans there in Korea, this is what he said, Oh, God, break my heart with the things that break your heart. May we be like Richard Baxter, that great Puritan preacher, who said, I preach as never shall to preach again as a dying man to dying men. We should redouble our efforts everywhere that we go. We can have confidence in God's part. Notice what else. Not only should we rend our hearts, but he says, return to the Lord your God. Why? Because he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness. So we should rend our hearts. We should return to the Lord. And notice the third thing. We, we can trust God because he relents from doing harm. He wants good for us. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Acts 16 says, And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved and your household. What's the setting of that? Paul and Silas are in prison. And they decided they'd have a little worship service. Now, we're not talking about the, the prisons like we got today. 
We're talking about a hole carved out in rocks with no sewer system, no running water, uh, no um, adjustable comfort bed, lying on the ground, probably some straw hay, rats and vermins are everywhere. They're in stocks and bonds, and Paul looks over at Silas and says, Hey, brother, ain't God good? Let's sing. Let's sing, Silas. What part do you sing, Silas? Well, I like to sing bass. Okay, you sing bass, I'm going to sing tenor. And they started singing. Praise to God. In the midst of a horrible thing, horrible time. And they got to singing and singing. And listen, God was listening. He was listening to his servants down there whose lives were being threatened, who were in prison. And the angels, I think, started rejoicing and started joining in. And there was worship taking place in the prison, and that worship reached the heavens. And God said, got so excited about this worship and his, and his two men down there in prison worship that God said, Amen, and he said it with an earthquake. When God spoke, it shook the prison. And Paul and Silas could have walked right out. And all of the prisoners. And this prison guard, after the, the earthquake had stopped, comes running in, realizing all that had taken place. And Paul and Silas says, don't be afraid. You see, Paul and Silas had no fear. They wouldn't have cared if the, if the ceilings had fallen in on them. They had no fear because they knew that God was with them. And he told the guard, have no fear. We're all still here, you see, because he was fearful for his own life. And after that, because of the worship, because of the earthquake, because of God speaking, and because of the people of God being faithful, this lost guard came to them and fell down in front of them and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? God's pardon. He turns blessing, curses into blessing. So don't underestimate how the Lord can use you when difficulty descends on your community or on your family or on someone you know. We can have confidence in God's perspective. What is that? We're on a journey. And listen, there is a destination to that journey. That old song, some call it heaven, I call it home. Homeward bound. We can have confidence in God's perspective. We're on a journey and there is a destination. Notice what Revelation 21 says. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying. 
Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And listen to this, these no mores. Underscore these no mores. There shall be no more death. There shall be no more sorrow. No more crying. There shall be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. What's in store for us in this new heaven and new earth is exactly what he has described for us here. One of the best ways we can communicate hope during times of disaster, as we're seeing in our world today, is to tell everyone that what we are going through is only temporary. This world is not our home. I'm just a passing through. The Bible tells us that we have a lot to look forward to. And we can have confidence in God's provision. Matthew 6 and verse 11 says, Give us this day our daily bread. God provides for us every day. An example is found in 1 Kings and verse 7, where we see the widow of Zarephath. She's out picking up sticks, and the prophet comes along. God had already spoken to the prophet and said, I want you to go down there, and there'll be a widow, a woman waiting for you. And so he goes down, and this woman, this widow of Zarephath, she has a son, and there's been a tremendous famine. People are dying. And she's out there picking up sticks. And the prophet says to her, go, go make me a little cake. And she said, sir, I have no uh, food. I have just a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil, just enough for me to make a final little morsel of food for my son and for me. We're going to eat this, and then we're going to die. And the preacher looks at her and says, hey, feed me first. Now, ladies, I want you to see the faith that this woman had. She obeyed God. And what happened? She made Elijah a cake, and he ate it. And then she made herself one and her son one, and they ate it. And you know what? It never ran dry for the rest of the time until the rain came. Every day there was fresh food. What do we learn from that? We can have confidence in God's provision. Genesis 22 and verse 8 and Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb 
for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Abraham knew that he'd been asked to offer his son. But he also knew and believed that God would provide a sacrifice. And he did. Philippians 4, verse 19. And my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God will meet every need that we have in all of these times of trouble and difficulty. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. God is able, grace abounds, and we can have an abundance. Now, it won't be like the world says it is, but we know that it is like God has designed it for us. What can we do when we're in all of this world of dangers and things? We can be comforted. Why? Because God is true to his word and to his children. I pray that today, that if your heart is troubled over all that's going on, that you will find peace and contentment in your relationship to Christ. Now, I'm not talking about being unwise and being foolish, and making bad decisions. I'm talking about living a life of faith, as we've seen here from the different ones from Scripture we've looked at today. And that it's all rooted in the provision of God. And I would just encourage you today, if, that if you don't know Christ, that today you can cast your fear aside and trust him. And he will meet not only your needs in this life, but in the life to come as well. He loves you. He gave his life for you. And he wants you to come to know him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for our time together for your word for the assurance that in a world of danger in which we live wars and rumors of wars kingdom against kingdom nation against nation famines pestilences plagues all the things that we see around us in the world it just seems lord the all the news is bad everything is going on the countries are, are bombing each other thousands of people are dying we see natural disasters over and over and over again. Lord, that should give us not fear, but hope. Because we know that that's the way you have described in your word that our world would be before you came. But you're coming, Lord, to take those that are yours. And those that are not yours will be left behind. And so I would pray that today that anyone that's in this auditorium today would not be left behind, that today they'd open their heart to you and realize that you're the answer for every issue that they face. And right now they would just say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. I repent. I turn from my 
sin and I turn to you. And now, Lord, I want to live my life for you. And Lord, as your Holy Spirit is speaking to their heart, if they will trust you by faith, your Holy Spirit will quicken them to life. And Lord, that's our prayer for today, is that if there's someone here that's never trusted you, they'd be today would be that day. And for us as believers, Lord, may we not live um, a life of fear, but a life of faith. Knowing, Lord, that you have all these things that you've promised, and your word is sure. These dangers are unavoidable, but, Lord, we also know uh, that you are unchangeable, and that what you have lined out and given us will, be, will come to fruition. And so, Lord, we trust you for all these, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Sunday Sermons. If you want to learn more about us, visit warrencommunitychurch.org.